Well, today, I just want to give uh, sort of a, uh, an exhortation. Is that okay? This morning, uh, my wife and I just felt the Lord um, just wanted to exhort us a little bit this morning and encourage us, amen, just kind of about who he is. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about called to worship uh, today, how we are called to worship, amen. If you have your Bible this morning or your smart device and you can get to some scripture, uh, get to Matthew chapter 12, if you would. We'll get there in a moment, uh, Matthew chapter 12. But I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about praise and worship, the significance of it, and how sometimes we just think, oh, it's just something else that we do. You know, clubs a lot of times get together and they do different things, and it just becomes part of their ritual and part of their tradition. And uh, while praise and worship has become uh, part of our tradition, if you will, uh, as Christians, and part of our ritual, if you will, as Christians, how many know it's not? It's more than just a ritual. It's more than something that we just do because we showed up and we have to do it. It's more than just our job. It's more than just part of uh, the tasks that we perform uh, when we come to church or when we get together or when God does something for us. And so we must understand that praise really is the act of acknowledging God for, okay, his great and wondrous works, for something that he's done or for something that he's going to do. We give him praise for that, all right? Worship is like praise, but worship is the acknowledgement of God's kingship in our lives and his absolute right as our Lord to rule over us. It is the ultimate act of submission because true worship is from the heart. Now, praise we give unto God because of what he's done, what he's able to do. God is glorious. We sang it this morning. Uh, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I mean, we are talking about a God that made time. He invented time, and then he stopped time for a time. Come on, somebody. Uh, he created stars. He created black holes. He created the universe. He gives the very breath uh, that you breathe. He sustains you. Your heart beats without being plugged into the charger. Come on. Somebody say, my phone is not quite charged. I need to plug it into the charger, but your heart doesn't need recharging. Come on. It just seems to beat every day. You seem to keep breathing. And uh, so for that, we ought to give God some praise. Come on, somebody. You ought to praise God for what he does and what he's able to do. But now when we get over into worship, come on now, worship is something, it's really more of a response to God for who he is. You see, worship takes it to the next level because worship gets over into that thing where it doesn't matter what God does. It doesn't matter if he breathes stars or it doesn't matter if he sits down in his rest. It doesn't matter if he heals or doesn't heal. It doesn't matter if he delivers or he doesn't deliver. It doesn't matter if God gets me out of it, if he blesses me financially, or if I remain where I am, I'm still going to worship him because of who he is. Come on. And because of all of his attributes, because of who he is, that's why we worship God. And God 
is worthy of all of our worship, not because of what he does, but simply because of who he is. I mean, we're talking about someone who has always been. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. There's never been a beginning to God. Oh, if you think about that for a moment, it'll blow your mind, so you might just want to move on. Don't, don't dwell on that because it'll, it'll bake your noodle up there. This is someone who's always been and always will be. That's who we're talking about. And so for that, oh, yes, you are my Lord. Uh, I, I, I am your servant. But you must understand that even this Lord has no longer now calls us servants. He calls us friend. Now, if that's not enough to worship the Lord for, I don't know what is. And we ought to always worship God. We ought to always praise God because he's always doing something. But there's something special about when we come together in corporate praise and worship. And I want to tell you something. I've been in a lot of church services like many of you have. I've been in a lot of corporate worship services like many of you have. And I've seen a lot of things like many of you have. I've had times where I've uh, had cause to worship the Lord and to praise God. And I've had times where I just really didn't feel like praising the Lord because things weren't going so well. And God seemed distant. And I really didn't know who he was. And so I find myself in those services with uh, the corporate body not really wanting to praise God. But I want to tell you something. Because of what we just talked about, because of what he's able to do, because of what he's already done, and because of who he is, no matter how we feel, there's something special about when we come together corporately and we begin to praise and worship God. Now, I want to tell you, I don't want to get on you because I'm guilty myself, but I know when we come together and we begin to worship God, he ought to get our attention. I think there's, there's something about when we come together and we worship God and we're just standing there like a bump on a log or we're talking to someone else and we're in conversation. Now, I might need to say something to my kids or I might need to say something to my wife or talk, but when you're just in constant conversation and somebody's trying to talk to you, I would think that's a little rude. If somebody's trying to, if you're trying to talk to someone and explain something important to them and they're talking to someone else kind of half listening to you, come on. I think that's a little rude. Come on. And so it is in corporate worship when we come together, God ought to get our attention because he's simply worthy of it. Come on. When we gather, we have not come together for some sort of performance on the platform. Come on. True worship has no room for the spectating heart. Ah, a foundational principle of worship is that it is participatory. Come on, that means you need to participate. We need to participate, all of us together. I want to tell you something, that praise is a verb. Worship is a verb. It's an action word. Come on. It is not something done to us. It is not something done for us, but it's something done by us. Somebody say, by us. We are the ones who do it. We either praise God for what he's able to do or for what he's done, or we worship, we respond to him calling to us. It's something done by, there is no escape for the believer. Come on, somebody. Uh, actively participating in worship is biblical for all believers, and we must do it. 
we, I, we must not find ourselves in what I call the Michael syndrome in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Now, I'm not talking about me, Michael. You don't want to find yourself in my syndrome either, but uh, the Michael syndrome we find in, in 2 Samuel chapter 6. I won't read the whole story. You remember it. But if you really go through it, you must understand that uh, the ark of the, it, it really starts way back when Eli and his two sons, you remember Eli was the priest, and he had his two sons, and they begin to, to perform strange rituals and give strange fire unto the Lord. And so the Lord killed them off, and then Eli ended up falling off his porch or his deck or whatever it was, and he died, and the Philistines came in and took the ark of the Lord, the very presence of God. They took it back to their camp. Now, God can take care of himself. And so the Philistines started to get a little sick, some diseases, some things started happening. And they said, wait a minute. We don't want this thing. It belongs with the Israelites. All right, we need to get it back to them. And so it went back to the nation of Israel, and a man took it, Obed-Edom, into his house, and his house was blessed. You remember the story of Obed-Edom. Come on. And he kept the presence of the Lord. And then finally, David comes along, and he begins to praise God because it's so glorious that we did not have the presence of the Lord, but now the presence of the Lord is back with us. And so he said, it belongs, God's, God, is, it, we love it that Obed-Edom is keeping the presence in his house. But the presence of the Lord, the Lord deserves his own house. Come on, somebody. Now, this is before he dwells in us. He, he deserves his own house. And so a temple uh, was built. And David said, we're going to put the presence of the Lord in this temple. So he went and got the presence of the Lord for Obed-Edom's house and said, let's take it to the temple. And they began to march. He couldn't get six steps before he began to praise the Lord, started praising God because the presence of the Lord, in fact, he sacrificed oxen right then because the presence of the Lord is going to its rightful place. The presence of God is with us. He began to praise God so much until his robe began to come off. Come on, and he was exposed before the people. Now, first of all, it was a weird thing to do because really the priests were the one who were supposed to bring the presence back, not the king. But the king said, I'm going out there myself. Come on, a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. That's another sermon king and priest. He went out there himself and said, I am going to lead the way and lead the presence of God. And then when Michael, his wife, saw him out there uh, and, and, and he was dancing so much until his robe came off and he just didn't care who was looking at him and what they thought of him, she said, how glorious is the king. Now, she wasn't complimenting him. Come on. She was being sarcastic. How glorious is the king? to lose your robe uh, before all of the handmaids and before all of your people. Come on. Don't you know that God cursed her and she was barren until the day she died? In fact, David said, guess what? Not only was I undignified there, but I'll be more undignified than this the next time I praise. You want to know? Because I don't care who's looking at me. I don't care what they're doing or what they think about me because this is not about you. The praise is not for you. The worship is not for you. The worship is for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who delivered me, who brought me up out of the miry clay, out of the pit, set my feet upon a rock, and he established my going. He sustains me. He provides for me, and he is my very salvation. That's who my praise and worship is for. So I don't care who is looking at me. 
And so I find that even in today's time, some of us get the Michael syndrome. We begin to look around and we look at others and we say, well, look at Dorothy, how she's lifting her hands. And look at Tom, how he's singing and he doesn't even know that he can't sing that well. And look at Brother Andy and how he's dancing around. And look at Brother James, he always smiling. What's wrong with him? Don't he know that this is real life and you can't be smiling every day and every moment of every day? Come on, we're getting the Michael syndrome. But we got to look out for that because if you don't think worship is important, come on, remember this syndrome. Uh, you may meet some people uh, that, need, that say, I don't need that. I don't need to do that. I'm a little more dignified. But King David said, I'll be more undignified than this. Come on. Matthew chapter 12, Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30 says this in the New King James Version. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Somebody say all. And with all your soul, say all. And with all your mind, how much? And with all your strength, how much? And he says this is the first commandment. Before you do anything else, you got to give him your. You got to give him everything. Come on. You don't think there's a cause? David said, is there a cause? Of course there's a cause. There is a reason to worship. He says, give it all to me, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. This is the first commandment. Do you not understand that we must praise? We don't have a choice. We must worship God. We must do it. Here's what we're talking about. Praise simply means to glorify, especially by uh, the, the attribution of perfection when we're talking about God. In other words, what I'm really saying there, it's, it's to make bigger. Or in the case of the Lord, it's really to exalt him and see him for who he really is. Because what we do is we really make him smaller. And then we say, we're going to praise God and make him bigger. You're not really making him bigger. He's just revealing himself to you how big he already is and how he doesn't live in the universe, but the universe lives in him. Come on. I'm talking about a big God. Worship is the act of showing respect and love or excessive admiration for someone. And really, it's simply the act of responding to God. Really, at its core, worship, both praise and worship, really can be wrapped up in one word. And that word is obedience. That's really what it is. I mean, if you're obedient, if you're obedient to the word of God, then you have everything covered. If you're obedient to it, you'll praise God because he commanded us to do it. If you're obedient to the word, you'll worship God because he commanded us to do it. Psalms 9, verse 1 and 2. David said, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all of your marvelous works. I will be glad. I want you to notice the I wills in this scripture. I will be will. I will. I will too. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. I will. The I wills are in there. It's not something for us, but it's something by us. We generate it. Psalms 5, 7, but as for me, he says, 
I will come into your house, talking of the Lord, in the multitude of your mercy, in fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. It's your house. It's your temple. This is your thing. My life, no. This is your life. Come on. My words, no. Your words. And the sooner we begin to see that it's all about him and none of it is about us, the more and the less we'll get offended. The more we'll show love and not just love, God's love to people. And I'll tell you what, the more you'll walk in an abundant life, the more blessings you'll receive. Come on. Because when the praises go up, y'all know it, come on. The blessings come down. So then why? Why? We understand what God can do. We understand who he is. We understand what praise is. We understand what worship is. It's our response. It's our obedience to God. Why then at the core do we praise and worship? Why should we come together to praise and worship? And by the way, don't, don't sit and look around and worry about what other people think about you when you praise and worship. Come on. Don't worry about what others think or don't be too dignified to say, I don't need that. We're going to talk about all kinds of ways here in just a moment that you can praise and worship God. And so what you're going to find is there are going to be no excuses for you to not praise or worship God. None. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're not coordinated. It doesn't matter if you can't sing, see, hear. Come on. There's going to be no excuses. First of all, the Bible commands us to. The Bible commands us to. Psalms 117.1, praise the Lord, O ye Gentiles, laud him, all you peoples. Psalm 102.18, this will be written for generations to come, that a people yet to be created will praise the Lord. Is that people here this morning? He said, way back then, a people I haven't made yet are already destined to praise me. Babies not even born will be born to praise God. Psalm 47, 7, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. Come on. And in Psalm 156, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Come on. The Bible commands us to, and not only that, but you've got to understand this. We were talking about this this morning. God inhabits the praises of his people. Now, a lot of us say that as if it's a cliché. It's some sort of saying. God inhabits the praises of his people. Look at what that really means. Psalm 22, verse 3 is where we get that from. It says, but you are holy, enthroned, or in the King James it says inhabit. You are enthroned in the praises of Israel. Listen to it in the NLV, New Living Version. It says, yet you are holy, the praises Israel gives you are your throne. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. The praises Israel gives you, and by the way, you are Israel. There is Israel, and Israel is Israel, and you are also Israel. You are spiritual Israel as well. You join together. The praises that Israel gives you are your throne. You know what he's saying there? That means that our praise is the cushion that God leans on 
and rests on. Our praise is his throne. My wife was talking to me about this this morning. We were saying that there's an old psalm that talks about, Lord, arise from your rest and be blessed. We were saying, well, what does that mean from the Lord to arise from his rest and be blessed? Arise from your rest, Lord, and be blessed. Well, remember in Chronicles, I believe it was around 2 Chronicles, where Solomon uh, built the temple for the Lord and uh, he began to pray and all the people came together as one. And, and, and Solomon began to pray, and they all began to minister, and the cloud was so thick in the temple that they couldn't even minister. They had to just lay prostrate before God. Come on, anybody remember that? Chronicles. And at the end of Solomon's prayer, what did he say? Now arise. Come to your resting place. You. Arise now, Lord, and come to your resting place. I don't know if you fully understand the implications of that statement. Do you realize, remember we talk, We kind of talked a little bit about who God is and what he can do. He has no beginning and no ending. Come on, you remember that a few minutes ago? He created the universe. He created stars. He sustains you with breath. Come on, he's infinite, endless. He's omniscient, omnipotent. How many other words? Do you want to use to describe God? He's all of those things. And you would think that God would build him a throne somewhere that is made of gold and diamonds. Come on. That's heated up. He got the button there that heats it up. Come on now. He can, he can do that thing where you put the leg back and do all these. That's, you would think that God would make him a throne so magnificent. Come on. But guess what God's throne is? Your praise. Do you get that? I'm talking about the God of the universe rests, dwells, is comfortable, is seated in your praise. You are the one that supports God. Woo! I don't, you might not be excited about that, but that makes me think. I'm praising God and he's rest. That's what supports God is my praise. That's the cushion on his couch. Your praise and my praise is his cushion. Woo! Oh, that's enough to praise him for right there. I'm saying, come on, Lord, be comfortable. I better praise some more. Make God comfortable. Come on. I better worship some more. Now, remember, I told you there's no excuses. And uh, I just want to give you a few Hebrew and Greek praise words, okay? Some of these you have heard before. Some of them you may not have. Halal, that's one of them. It means to sincerely, to be sincerely and deeply thankful, to boast about God, to laud God, okay? And you'll find that in 1 Chronicles 16, 4, to celebrate with rejoicing, all right? Psalm 119, 164 says, seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgment. In other words, I'm just going to keep on praising you. Seven times a day. 
Yada, it means to worship with extended hands. To extend your hands out, to stretch out the hand, to confess, to thank God, publicly acknowledge. It doesn't mean you're in your house in your closet and you kind of raise your hand. That's all right. Nothing wrong with that. But it means to be in front of all of these people and to lift your hands to God, to raise your hands publicly acknowledging that God is Lord and King of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. That's what that one means. Barak, it means to declare the origin of power for success, prosperity, and fertility. But it also means this. It means to kneel, to kneel, to bless, to remember joyfully, to invoke, to celebrate, and to adore. So it's more, it, Barak is a praise word, but it's really more of a worship word because it means to kneel down before acknowledging that I am your servant. And it means to adore, to worship. That's what that word means. Psalm 104.1, bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and with majesty. That's what that word means. Next, the word means, the next word, number four, means this, this word represents the result of that first word. We talked about halal as well as his divine acts. But it means also to laud, but it means to sing praises extravagantly. It means to laud and to sing, to celebrate with songs. That's what we do. This is the word. This, is, this word is what we do during our praise and worship in the morning when we come in to our service. To sing songs, to celebrate together, not to watch Dietra and Brother James and Sister Karen and all those up here sing a song and clap when they're done and say that was a good song. No, it means to all of us to sing together and to celebrate God together. Psalm 33, 3, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Zamar means to praise with musical instruments. Come on. It speaks of a joyful expression of worship through music. It's biblical to praise God through music. To involve instrumental music in accompanying the voice. Come on. To pluck the strings of the instrument and to sing and to prophesy with an instrument. That's what that word means, Amar. Come on. Psalm 147, 7, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises on the harp to our God. Next, Toda. That word is used in conjunction with an offering and can be taken to also mean extend the hands, but it means to extend with a sacrifice of praise or thanksgiving or thank offering. That's what toda means. I'm extending as a sacrifice of praise. That is what I'm talking about when I really don't feel like it. When I, I feel like you didn't bless me this week. You know, I needed the money and the money didn't come through. You know, I, my boss called me in, and it wasn't really a pleasant conversation. I felt like you weren't with me this week, Lord. But guess what? Toda. A sacrifice of praise because of who you are. Come on. Psalm 50, 23, whoever offers praise glorifies me, God said. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. We don't need to wait for God to bless us in order to lift our hands and praise him. In fact, if you want God to bless you, lift your hands 
and praise him. And you will be blessed. Now, what am I saying? You say, well, Brother Mike, what are you saying? So if I need something, all I need to do is come to church and praise God, and then that thing will come through. Let me tell you what Abraham said about God. Abraham said that you, O Lord, are my very great reward. You are, not the cattle that you've given me, not even my wife and children. Come on. Not all of the money, not all of the blessings. You, O Lord, are my very great reward because that's where all of that comes from. Yes, but seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't seek these things and then praise God for what he gave you. Come on. We get it wrong sometimes. One I love is Shabbat. Shabbat, to triumph in praise, to be free of care. This is what David was doing when he said, I'll be more undignified than this. I'm free of care. Come on. To shout, to laud, to commend, to boast on the Lord. Come on. To exclaim praise with a loud voice. I claim and I proclaim victory over the enemy. It also means to give a war cry so that the enemy will hear you. That's what Shabbat means. Come on. The enemy's going, I'm not going to shrink back. Uh, you may, it may seem like you're winning right now. Come on. But I'm not shrinking back. I'm going to Shabbat because I've read the end of the book. And I know that we win. We win. Come on. Anos means to celebrate with praise and thanksgiving. But it also means to laugh or to speak. It means to, uh, to actually say it out loud what God is to you. To express your praise. Luke 19, 7, 1937, Jesus did this. Uh, he, then as he was now drawing near the, the, the descent of Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God. Listen, with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. And then doxa, ascribing to God the honor due him. It signifies an opinion. In other words, it's kind of like the blind man. Jesus healed him of his blindness. And they kept bothering him. Well, who is this Jesus? Well, how did he do that? Well, are you sure you were blind? Are you really lying? He said, look, let me tell you something. I don't know about you. And I don't know what he is. But I can tell you this. I was blind and now I can see. That's what I'm going to tell you. I once was blind and now I can see. Come on. In my estimation... He is the Lord. I don't know what he's done for you, but I know my experience, in my opinion, in my estimation, oh, Jesus is Lord. Now, you can take that for what it's worth. You can do with it what you want to. Luke 2, 14, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Eulogatos involves words of commendation and praise. Like in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. It comes from him. Ex homo logio maya. Say that three times fast. That means to confess forth both openly and freely. I do it open. In other words, I'm not being forced to come in and say, oh, I praise you, Lord. No, I come in. You can't do it. You can't tell it. Let me tell it. 
It's an old song I love. Most of you probably don't know it, but it, it, the song goes, if you can't tell it, let me tell it. I don't see how you can just sit there and not praise the Lord. That's what the words of the song are. But if you can't tell it, let me tell it. I'll tell it. I'll be happy to testify about what God has done and about how great he is. Some of y'all got your mouth shut up, and that's all right. But I'm going to testify about God. You can't tell it. Let me tell it. Come on. Humaneo means to sing praise. Just a couple more. I told you you're going to have no excuse after all this. One of these you can do. Humaneo. To sing praise, I will declare your name, Hebrews 2.12, to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will, there's the I will, I will sing praise unto you. Megaluno, to magnify, to make great, large, or long. In other words, it's to finally see God like John did on the island of Patmos. Oh, I didn't know. I knew you were a big God, but I didn't know. It's to see God for who he really is. Solo, that's where we get our word psalms from. Come on, to sing spontaneous words unto the Lord. Just what's in your spirit, what comes to mind. To sing praise and spiritual ecstasy. To make melody. Come on, a song of praise. Maybe not a song you've heard on the radio or a song you heard someone else sing. There's just a melody in your heart, and you begin to sing it unto the Lord. And finally, Sebomai, it means to revere a deity with no actions. This is the one out of all of these that we don't want. Come on. Did you realize there's one we don't want? Well, Matthew 15, 9, in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. In other words, that one is wrapped up in this. You worshiping God the way you want to worship him. You worshiping him just the way you see fit. I just, you know, God, based on my weak it was okay, so that's the worship I'm going to give you. It's going to be okay. I had a great week. Well, I'm really going to praise the Lord. That's to worship him in vain. We are to praise and worship him for what he has done and because of who he is. Very quickly, six quick ways to express praise and worship. Number one, with our voice. You can do it with your voice, whether that's by singing or by speaking. Come on. You can praise God with your voice, Psalm 35, 28, and my tongue shall speak of your righteousness. I will not hold my tongue when it comes to the Lord. Secondly, with our shouting, that's biblical. Make a joyful shout unto God all the earth. Number three, with the clapping of our hands. Come on. Some of y'all can clap your hands. Come on. Amen. And then with the lifting of our hands, some don't want to lift their hands to the Lord. But God says it's biblical to lift your hands to the Lord. With our singing, with singing a praise, a new song unto God, a worship sung from the heart of each individual. And then finally, with rejoicing. I just rejoice. I'm so happy. I have a smile on my face. I am glad. David said it this way. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Now he talked about Solomon coming into the temple. And Solomon built the temple for the Ark of the Covenant, right? David wanted to build the temple, but he had a tent. And God told him, no, you can't build the temple because you've killed too many men. There's too much blood on your hand. But I'm going to give you a son. And through your son, I'll establish his throne forever. And he will be the 
temple for me. And so that came to pass. And you know, Solomon came after his brother died. Solomon had a brother that David had with Bathsheba. And because he was um, conceived in sin, the Lord killed him. But then the Lord blessed David and Bathsheba with Solomon. So you know Solomon grew up and he heard all those stories. So Solomon knew he was appointed and here for a purpose. And he was there as a, a sign of mercy that the Lord had on his mother and father. So he knew how great God was. And I like in that scripture it said, Arise, O God, you and your ark come into the resting place. He said, God, I know your uh, will and how we're supposed to bring the ark and how it represents who you are. But God, I know you're bigger than this ark. So he said, oh God, come on in this house and this praise with all these people, you and your ark, because the ark represents who you are. But God, we see your glory in the cloud that has filled this place. So thank you, God, for the cloud.